Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that make it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. Here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we know that two of the most important things to us as therapists are confidentiality and our time. Thankfully, Jane understands that reliability and security are very important parts of running a private practice. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is HIPAA and PEPITA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. Not only does Jane help us protect our clients, but they help us protect our time too with features like calendar syncing, note templates, online booking, and they have automated reminders and workflows. Which you know we love on Am I a Bad Therapist? And you can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code bad therapist for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, Catherine, you know when we were choosing the name for this podcast, Am I a Bad Therapist? We might get some mixed responses, but we felt like it still did its job of capturing people's attention, but also spreading a good message, which can happen on social media, right? Absolutely. And I think the part that we were most worried about is that we really do feel like bad therapists sometimes. So sharing that as our title is very vulnerable and it it, it clues us in on some insecurities and it makes us really reflect on that. And so with social media, you know, when we show up there, it's a vulnerable place, but it can come with so much connection and growth that that double-edged sword, you know, is it worth it? I know. And we're going to hear from Justin today, who shares a story that is completely a double-edged sword where social media might have led to him getting fired, spoiler alert, but it also led to huge, tremendous growth in his career. So we're going to hear such an interesting side to each of those pieces, very interesting information about social media and all the things, which is so relevant because so many of us as therapists are on social media today. And 
As you know, we are not advocates for actual bad therapy. So please remember that this episode is not a substitution for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 60 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Justin, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? Hi, how are you two doing today? Good. We're so happy that you're here. Yep. Um, and oh my Justin, God, I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I know we book out quite a while, so I know it's been in the works for some time now. Um, but why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself before we get into your story? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Justin Gillespie. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker and therapist out of Michigan. Uh, my main niche is ADHD. I work with people with ADHD across pretty much most ages, I would say typically up to give or take about 40. Um, I work well with a lot of people who are especially ADHD adults, though, who are kind of coming into their diagnosis. And I have a particular interest in working with ADHD entrepreneurs as well. So that's something recently I've really learned to love. Um, but I also love my kids too. So, you know, helping um, my kids, especially six to 10, kind of navigate school and their life in those beginning stages of even learning what ADHD is is fun. So that's kind of been me um, outside of that. Um, I am sometimes what I call myself the black sheep of the therapy community. I sort of dress the way I want to dress, which I'm noticing now in 2023 is becoming more and more of a thing, thankfully. And I'm actually starting to look a more, a little more basic actually. Um, but I've always <laughs> come into the, when I got into this field in 2016 and 2017, I would come to work in, you know, jeans and t-shirts and, you know, dress comfortably and dress kind of almost like my clients in some type of ways and some people, you know, so um, I was always kind of looked down on that regard. And I've just learned that, you know, working the, I don't know, if, what would we call it? Corporate social work, not corporate, corporate social work, but like, kind of like that corporate style that we've kind of incorporated into therapy and social work is just not really for me. And I just love being like, I like to have more of a peer approach, I guess I would say. So that's kind of my style. We love that. I mean, I feel like that could be a whole episode, which we should put a pin in this and come back to because I totally agree. I have tattoos, piercings. I've always dressed really casually for therapy. Um, and I feel like this is speaking to my soul. So we'll put a pin in this one. Um, but why don't we get into why we're here today? Tell us what made you question if you were a bad therapist? Yeah, well, I think for me, I think there's a few things. Um, what really led up to it was back in, so I guess I would say to just make a long story short, starting in June of 2021 um i ended up downloading tiktok for the first time because my wife kept sending me dog videos and when you don't have the tiktok app shows up in a really weird browser so i, was like, okay, I still I'm... don't have the tiktok app and i can't watch the TikToks <laughs> people send me <laughs> yeah literally like it's it's well then you know like, i think they've upgraded it since but it's like a weird awkward little browser it's kind of fuzzy and i still so can't I was just figure it out i still don't watch tiktok <laughs> anyway, yeah I'm like so cause. it's just yeah, it's well, well, maybe I'll convince you today. We'll see. So, <laughs> so we got on, um, I got on it just because my wife kept sending the videos and I was whatever. And then I just started making my own content over there. Mind you, I was already doing stuff on Instagram. I was growing kind of slowly over there, but kind of somewhat moderately. Um, and then long story short with that, um, over the course of a year, I ended up getting 10,000 followers um wow. from there i'm now at from now in my second year which just ended actually i think yesterday actually i'm now sitting at seventy-two thousand followers over there so Lovely. so to, so the i only say these figures so i can get like the timeline straight so mm -hmm. around 
November of 2021, I ended up getting a job as an assessor um, at an organization. Um, I thought it was super awesome just because I thought it was super ADHD friendly. It was basically one job. You just do assessments all day and write your report. And, you know, for me, I really loved having that structure. It really helped with how my brain kind of worked. And so I always had like entrepreneur aspirations in the back of my mind, um, but I thought I was willing to put them off for a while to do this job just because I thought it would be just, you know, something where I was really good at and I was really good at it. And uh, what ends up happening and when I take that job is at this point, I was already growing on TikTok. I already had about a few videos who had about 1 million hits, 3 million hits, things like that. Uh, wow. Mm -hmm. So when I took the job, um, my employer was fully aware, like, who I was. I let them know right away because I was already growing. Wait, can, I, um, can we pause for a minute? Tell us about what, tell viewers who haven't seen your social media accounts, what type of content are you putting out there to that, that millions of people are watching? Is it a, a hobby? Is it about therapy? Is it about you? Give us a background on like what you're walking into this job with your social media profile showing. Yeah. So at the time it, it was more of like in that stage of what do I really want to post? Cause before it was more of like just social work stuff in general, just maybe therapy stuff. Um, I was always talking about ADHD stuff over there and I was also talking a lot about trauma stuff. Um, but it was also more so kind of like just posting about my day too. Like it wasn't like anything mm. crazy. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wasn't putting like, I'm doing bar keg stands or anything like that, but you know, I was <laughs> dancing, I was probably swearing and you know, whatever. Cause that's just who I am. Um, but yeah, back then it wasn't, really exactly niche down it was just more so like trauma adhd stuff and then also like this is me type of content right a blend of both personality you a little unfiltered and then also some educational content basically okay. yeah and then occasional dancing and twerking which i don't do anymore because i realized i didn't need to do it but it helped for a little bit so <laughs> yes, you always need to do it when, when you when you are new online and trying to figure it all out, you'll do anything. So you just yeah, we won't let that. So anyway, point being, so when I took the job in November, they they knew they were aware I was growing, and so it was going great. The job was going great. I was also able to continue posting my content. Um, at that point, I also joined a group practice that also knew I was you know moving myself up online. So I was kind of doing that kind of part time. I was doing my full time jobs. So things were going relatively great, and then in March and in fact I got the exact dates March 22nd 2022 that's my husband's birthday that's oh, awesome oh, birthday oh, March 22nd birthday. oh happy birthday to what? him sorry it's coupled with whatever you're about to tell us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah here we go all right so so on March 22nd 2022 social work month six days before my birthday okay. I get called in not thinking anything of it and I got fired what what was the reasoning there was no actual reasoning provided. Um, I'm smart enough to probably know what was going on during that time. Um, there was a few mix of things during that time. I was having some executive functioning issues for those two weeks. I had a few things that were late that normally weren't late with me, but I was having a lot of issues with my ADHD and whatnot. I had just had a conversation with somebody a few weeks prior to this as well of like, them telling me maybe you need to stop talking about the ADHD thing because people think it's an excuse here. So I kind of could see the writing on the wall, but I didn't see like you getting fired because it had nothing to do with my workflow. I also interviewed for a supervisor position about two or three weeks before this as well. Um, that's a whole other separate conversation that I don't know if you even have time to go into, but I did an interview for that. And I basically told them that, you know, one of my questions was, I know the department's in a financial deficit right now. How could I help and make sure that's not in a financial deficit? Um, and then on top of it, you know, I'm sure 
you know, they the only thing they said it was professionalism. So I can only assume it has something to do with my TikTok as well. So there's a few oh. different areas where I can guess, but they they wouldn't tell me. And there was no written warning. There was nothing like that. It was just this yeah. isn't working out. Here's your professionalism reason, and you gotta go. What went through your head? Um, I it was the first time I was ever fired in my life. Um, so I had like. I don't want to say a panic attack, I guess more of an anxiety attack, but um, I just like, I didn't really understand what was happening. I was very confused. I wasn't written up. I wasn't really warned about much of anything. I was just, I was just very confused. And I, in that moment, and I, and what's funny is it was someone who um, they weren't even my direct director. It was someone else who did it too. So it wasn't even someone I would expect to ever provide me disciplinary action either so so we're very interesting how it went down so i was just all the way around confused um i believe it was the coo and then somebody i'm not sure who it was actually but it was a director and then the coo and the coo was like in the room with me kind of like helping me pack up my stuff or whatever and he was almost giving me like life advice after too like he was just kind of like being nice but he was like, you know, I've been fired before too, type of thing. And I'm thinking, well, thanks, I guess, you know, right? And it really helped me or whatever. And so I was just, overall, the mood was just confused. Like I was in shock and just confused. Because I thought yeah. I found like the place I wanted to stay at. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, so you said they didn't give much details, but did you have the sense that they were talking about professionalism with clients or professionalism in, with colleagues in the workplace? Or I, again, I would say if anything, it was either with colleagues or it may have been my online presence. I know for a fact it wasn't my clients because I had just had a conversation actually about a week or two with my direct supervisor. Who, so what's funny is all these events happened like two or three weeks after certain things that made me feel the most secure in my life on top of it, right? I just interviewed for a supervisor position. I had a conversation with my supervisor directly who said, you know, everybody really likes you here and, you know, your clients that we get reviews on, they really are they've said that they like you and you were very nice with them. And it just, it, so there was nothing writing on the wall that would warrant me to get mm -hmm. fired, you know, without so any sort of confusing. That's so confusing. Mm -hmm. And I say the story as I continue to say, it, I do want to make preface this too. I'm not somebody who is telling the story as someone who, has an ax to grind or anything like that. Cause I think whenever mm -hmm. people talk about these things, the first thing we think of in our yeah. field is like, this person either got fired because it was for a bad reason, they're a bad therapist, and then also they're just mad that they got fired. That's not really why I'm, I'm open with the story. I think them firing me actually was one of the best things to happen to me because it actually did a few things for me. Number one, it, first of all, it reminded me how marketable I actually was because I got a new job in literally three days after. The second <laughs> thing is, it did. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, three days. Like I got an offer, I got more money. It was whatever. Um, it was for an organization that I knew didn't have the best reputation, but I needed a check. So I just knew that. And I told them flat out when they said, why are you looking for a job? I got fired. I need a job. I didn't really <laughs> care to impress them at that point. I have credentials. I had enough competence, maybe a tiny bit of arrogance possibly, but I knew <laughs> I was marketable enough to do what they needed essentially. Um, the other thing that it taught me, which was the bigger lesson, is getting fired, ironically, gave me the confidence to quit. When I went to that job, that wasn't just like an agency with a bad rep. That was like an ethical nightmare. And I told oh, myself gosh. immediately going in, I was going to leave here in six months um, and do my own thing and figure it out. And I left in six weeks. So. Six weeks. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. I, I love what you're saying because, you know, I feel like in healthcare and mental health care, you're right. Getting fired 
because what we do is so ingrained in who we are and what we show up with, like we are part of our service that we deliver, right? How our patients feel is part of our service. And uh, yeah, getting fired makes you feel like there's something wrong with that clinician, with that person, right? And when we think Mm -hmm. about other industries, I do a lot of executive coaching and my husband's in a different industry and people get fired all the time. People get laid off, like pretty sure, like it, it happens all the time. And yes, it feels bad, but it, it, it's so much more normalized than in our field. So I'm so glad you're sharing this, that you can get fired and you can get laid off and you can get asked to leave. And it might not be because you're a bad clinician. It could be for a number of different fit reasons or uh, environmental reasons that have nothing to do with your abilities as a clinician. And I think that I, I hear that in your story. I don't hear the bitterness. I hear it as this is what happened. And this is my story. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Ellie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.com. Dot care. Allie's creative intervention library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. Moving forward, let's get back to the show. You know, it's, it's really funny because like, the you know, I mean, I obviously don't agree with being fired. I don't think they handled that correctly with me at all, but I also didn't feel, you know, after it kind of settled, the shock settled and I'm wondering like, you know, you know, am I a bad therapist? You know, huh, zinger uh, for our name here. But, you know, I kind of went through all those thoughts and then, you know, I just said, you know, what, I'm just going to deal with it and figure it out and do whatever. Um but yeah, like I said, getting fired to me, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It really increased the confidence that I truly needed to just do my own thing. And so at that point, what happened was because not only I'm working for an agency where I obviously care about the clients, but I don't care about them necessarily. That I'm yeah. figuring out very quickly over time that this is just very an odd place to work my new job I'm at. Um, so I told myself, I'm going to do my job here. I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to get out of here in six months and I'm going to double down on my content. Now, this is where we have to back up a little bit because a lot of people, when they make content um, and they go be public figures or whatever you want to call it, content creators, whatever, you usually hear the story of people who are like, I totally fell into this on accident and I just made something happen. Blah, blah. That really wasn't me. That really, I was the exact opposite. 
I wanted to be a content creator since I was 12 years old. I wanted to do YouTube since I was 12 years old. I've not quite mastered YouTube, but TikTok, and, um, and, cookie TikTok to crack. and Instagram and Facebook, other stuff like that. I've really gotten a hang of what with it. Um, and TikTok brought me my greatest success, thankfully. Um, and so I told myself at that point after, you know, studying this content train, because I started actively studying content creation and social media for like three or four years at that point. I told myself, I'm just going to double down on everything I've learned. I'm going to continue to make content. I don't care if this job fires me and I'm going to do what I need to do. Now, mind you, here's where the group practice fits in. Thankfully, I had a little bit of income coming from that. So I wasn't too thrown off, but I definitely wasn't like in a place where I'm like, okay, I should totally leave my job right now to go Mm -hmm. do this. But by the time I got to this new job, I was so burnt out. I was so sick of it. I said, I'm either going to make private practice work or I'm going to just leave the field. I can't do this anymore. Mm, It was just making me sick at this point. And what's really funny. So here's how all this works. Ready for this? So in mid-May last year, okay. So at this point, I'm already growing to my 10K followers. I I I hadn't gotten really anybody to come to my practice through TikTok yet, just because I never actively recruited that. I think maybe I got like one person on accident through there or something and then just took them on, whatever. But it wasn't like part of my actual strategy. I, I at that point, was just making content to make content. Mm-hmm. So mid-May, I decided to put in my notice to this new place and I'm just going to go to my private practice. I have about maybe eight or nine clients at this point. Not Totally not ready to do this financially, but I said, I'm going to figure this out. And I figured out very quickly, there's a payment plan for almost everything. So I'm going to figure this out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. So I quit. I want to say it was the, the 28th or the 29th, but don't quote me. Um, it was right before Memorial Day. The next day I make a video. So it went viral. This wasn't new to me at this point. But at this point, I changed my website link to like my psychology today or whatever. I got 50 inquiries over a weekend and I got 100 inquiries in about a week. Whoa. Oh my gosh. And it filled me at my group practice like instantly. So in the summertime where people have like what they call the summer dip, which right now I'm feeling it right now, but at that time it filled me up. So I had a lot of clients within that time period. And then over the last year I've had 300 inquiries for therapy. Whoa. Through TikTok. That's amazing. I feel like this is such a great way to talk about things because social media, we've talked about it a lot in the podcast and it can feel complicated and it still is, but it can also be a tool. Like we know that it has pros and cons. Like there are people putting out information that's questionable, but you can put yourself out there and be authentic because it sounds like that was so important to you. And especially in your niche with ADHD and it can connect you with your ideal client. That's amazing. Well, I think that's exactly what it did, right? Because one of the things, um, and then also with me, um, if I can back up just a little bit, part of me, one of my skills always was building rapport with my clients. I've never had that issue. I know a lot of people have like trouble building rapport with clients. I can count on one hand the times I've not been able to build rapport with a client, even if it wasn't like my ideal client or it wasn't like my, you know, whatever, right? Whatever the case may be. I've 99% of the time been able to build rapport with a client. I mix that with actually finding my ideal client. Mm -hmm. And so what I find with a lot of private practice therapists are they try to find whatever clients they can get and then half their caseload they're frustrated with and it's just irritating. I can tell you that for my caseload at this point, like 100%, I love working with every single one of them because I found who I want to work with. I really narrowed down that niche. And at this point, by the way, I wasn't completely narrowed down. I was still doing ADHD stuff, but I was also doing a lot of trauma work and family trauma work. And I was like, these are like my few interests. What do I want to do? 
And so that's ultimately just what led me to just deciding, okay, ADHD is clearly my thing. I'm getting, not only I like it the most, I'm getting the best results with it. So that's kind of the avenue we went. And ever since I've done that, I've just seen more, more and more better results. And now my ideal clients just come to me at this point. And I would say at this point, I probably get a referral on average. I get one to two of them at least every one to two weeks. So, I mean, compared to other okay. therapists who I notice they get them, they, they maybe get one referral a month if they're yeah. lucky. Yeah. Um, and I like that too, because it's much more manageable than like a hundred <laughs> coming to you yeah. at once. That was super overwhelming too. Yes. You only have so many hours in a day. I have to ask, yes. what did you do with all those a hundred, 300 referrals? How did you handle that? Oh Great problem God. to have, but that's overwhelming. Yeah, that was super overwhelming. So I would, so the first thing I did, well, first of all, many of them were out of states. So that was my first uh, lesson is make sure you include the state you're licensed in on your TikTok because people oh. will contact you and they still will contact me even with that in there. So, but it's at least limited quite a bit. Um, so half of them, I had to just refer out to other places, um, with psychology today, that makes it super easy. You can just literally filter their state out and send them a link and say, here's some people that say they're available. You know, if you're not familiar with any of them, um, as far as the ones that worked with me and worked well with me, um, I know I basically made the ones who had an area code of like. 313-734-248 on my local area codes on my phone numbers. If I noticed that or I noticed emails that said they're from Michigan specifically where I'm licensed, I hit those first right away because I knew I could help them right away. Um, and essentially what I would do is at the time I would send them a Calendly link. Um, and I'm actually going to start doing that again. Um, and so what they would do is they would fill out, you know, what insurance they had, um, were they on Medicaid or not? And if they didn't take an insurance that I had, then I would just email them. Hey, just so you know, I don't accept this insurance. This would be the out-of-pocket rate. Do you still want to work? Some of them still did, but it just really prevented them from wasting their time. So by the time I got on the consult call, I knew that person was going to be my client. I did not get on a consult call that I did not know wasn't going to be a client unless I was, you know, referring them out or something like that. But I usually would just email that out and we would kind of conversate that way. Um, but I would just, you know, by the time I get on that call, I essentially knew based on how I set up my Calendly link book with me, let's make a consult call, whatever. I knew based on how I set it up. Okay. Take their insurance. I deal with their issues. What's going on. Okay. I know exactly. If there was something they marked that was like not, something I treated, I would immediately just say, just so you know, I don't treat this. Here's a referral out. And it just would save me a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because of that, what ended up happening was out of the hundred referrals I got that week, I ended up bringing on after sorting them out. I think I brought on about 35 of them, I think. So oh, it was like, give or take, lot. I don't remember the exact figure now, but it was somewhere around there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like a I lot said, of intakes. It, yeah. It filled, yeah. It filled my practice. Like, pretty much overnight. So your social media presence is what got you fired, we think. I'm assuming. From I'm assuming, yeah. a group practice, but it's also the catalyst that filled your specifically aligned private practice. Correct. Yes. What a beautiful double-edged sword. You know, it's it's really awesome too just because, you know, now that we're in the position of going from a group practice, which I'm so blessed for my group practice, by the way, this is the other thing I did strategically with them. Cause I know there's like a lot of stuff where people say, 
don't go to a group practice. They offer this split, whatever, mm -hmm. right? You have to have at least minimum of 70% or whatever people say, right? I took this group practice role, not because of their rate, because their rate, I will say the one thing I don't appreciate is their rate was mm. not really that great. It's like 55%. Mm. But um, they went up since then, though. But it still is like below like what's considered market value. But I saw the potential in the sense of at the time, I saw, okay, they have a really good marketing presence. So those weeks, I just wanted to take a social media break. If I want a new client, they did it for me, too. So that was kind of helpful, yeah. too. So it was kind of like, okay, I get to be my, I get to do content creation and I get to take breaks from this too. This is the win-win. But yeah, so not only they have the referral influxes coming in, um, but they also didn't have a no compete. They were fully aware that uh -huh. a lot of people like to start their own practices and take their own people. And so, um, wow. you know, we can get into the debate of like, are no competes actually enforceable or not? But that's a whole other day. And that's a whole legality <laughs> nightmare. And I don't want to get into it. Um, the point is they didn't have one. And so I was just like, okay, this is going to work really good for me. I can easily transition whenever I want to. And that it works really well for me. And then on that flip side, you know, they also don't care how often you work either. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm, it's kind of like interesting too, cause I'm, I'm kind of in a transition with them cause we're getting ready to do our open house on June 16th here in Plymouth for my practice. Um, but I'm actually transitioning slowly out of them and I may even just keep them for a little bit just cause they have a ton of ADHD assessments that are needed mm -hmm. done. Um, and so I kind of just take those on just randomly just for extra appointments. So I'm in what have you. Um, so that's like, easy money for me to have um, while I'm in the middle of transition. And on top of it, I have a network now that I have access to of mm -hmm. 700 clinicians between Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So amazing. That's amazing. So it works so it, so it out staying there too, but it also works out in the fact that I can transition however I want to and take mm -hmm. as many people as I want to mm -hmm. when I want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so important. Now I am thinking, um, I'm curious, how do you talk about social media with your clients? Because if your clients are finding you through TikTok, and like, what would you maybe say to clinicians who are either have a presence, they're building a presence online? Um, even Catherine and I talked about this when we started the podcast of like, if someone yeah. Googles us and finds a Maya bad therapist, like, what are people going to think about us kind of thing? Like, so how do you talk about your content creation with your clients? Again, especially given because it sounds like a lot of them are finding you through TikTok. How do you talk about that ethically? all of those things with clients. I'm so curious. Right, exactly. Well, one of the things that I'm actually teaching um, therapists, which when I say teaching, I'm actually running a class on this in July. Um, it's totally oh free, registration's full, but I'm actually wanting to take this class to universities at some point um, and just wow. really teach it to students there. Um, but one of the things I'm teaching in this class is I tell um, our fellow therapists, a follower is not a friend, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a difference between someone finding your contact organically, they found you online, you showed up on their For You page, they searched something and clicked your video. There's a difference between that and adding your client on Facebook and interacting mm -hmm. a certain way. There's just certain boundaries that just even with the logistics of how social media works, mm -hmm. um, being a follower, they know that that is still somewhat of a wall from you. Now, the mm -hmm. cool thing about this actually is, is that I don't have to have many conversations with my clients specifically about it and the reason is is because i've noticed the clients that i get through social media there's very few to no boundary issues um they uh -huh. do not ask about my personal life they don't ask two out of the box questions um and in a way it's because they somewhat because they're following me and i don't follow them they're somewhat getting that small taste possibly on their for you page and given i'll post a lot of personal stuff but i mean like if i'm out at dinner or something yeah. i might 
I might post that or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they get that small taste of it. The people who I don't get on social media, ironically, are like, can we be friends? Can we go out? Can we <laughs> like, and those are the people I have to have conversations with. You know what I mean? So through here, you know, I don't even, and to tell you the truth, like my clients for most of them anyway, especially on TikTok, um, I don't even know if they comment on my videos half the time because everybody has like weird, funky usernames on TikTok. Yeah. And if you're not a content yeah. creator, a lot of people, you know, they're not putting their profile pictures mm-hmm. up on TikTok. I thought that honestly, I can't even see the pictures on TikTok half the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like yeah so a lot of times like i'll have someone that they might say oh i saw that video you did last week it was really funny and i commented on it. i don't even know they did half the time even mm-hmm. if it's like a video that's just like 200 views or something because everyone has such different names mm-hmm. on there so it's just like yeah. it's not really an issue that's great that's so good so justin you seem to have had wild both both a uh, negative consequence getting fired, but also wild success on social media in the professional area, not just connecting with friends and family, but really using it to, uh, it sounds like like light you up professionally. This was an enjoyable part of what you wanted your career to look like. So what advice or, or yeah, what advice would you have for any clinicians out there who are saying, I've always wanted to create content. Maybe I'm a little scared. Um, I've always wanted to do it in the therapy or the mental health field. Like what advice would you have for them? Someone thinking about starting a social media presence and content creation? Well, I would think that there's layers to it, right? Mm-hmm. So if, you, if your big thing is self-confidence of showing up on video, then Instagram has pictures for a reason. Now, something I do teach in my class is that short form video is key, um, is king. And then, um, speaking on video is going to be the best way to actually connect with an audience. So there's a lot of people who go on videos and they start lip syncing or they start doing whatever. I don't care what content you make, but ultimately my goal for you would be to increase your confidence where you can show up on video, you can speak, and it's going to create the most connection. With that being said, we have to start somewhere and meet someone where they're at. So I would recommend if you're not somebody that can do video with your own voice and speak, do funny skits with lip syncing. If you're not ready for that, then do photos that are a little more posed that maybe create a character of some sort in that way. If you're not ready for that, I mean, there's Canva graphics still that you can make quotes with and something like that, right? And then you just build your confidence up. I think that a lot of people want to just throw you into the fire of social media. And I started with, you know, in 2020 with Canva graphics because I wasn't sure really what to really post on my Instagram at that time. And, you know, so I would just post a lot of stuff on there. And then I started doing pictures and I started doing, you know, video based content on Instagram. And then that led into TikTok about the time I got the TikTok. Um, I have a presence with me that ah. is able to capture, be captured on camera. The other thing I recommend too, is you really want to create if, when you get to that point where you're doing videos, you really want to create a, a persona. So I am a big WWE fan. I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So there's this thing in pro wrestling, um, Um, that they do with character development and so essentially there's a rule in that where when you do promos which is where they talk on a mic and they trash talk they do whatever and it's scripted right spoiler alert for those who don't know about pro wrestling it's all scripted um but you're basically a version of yourself but you're on 10 so you're 10 times yourself so you're kind of like grandy so if you're feeling happy about something you want to really show that excitement if you're feeling sad or disappointed about something you really want to show out for that so i've learned this if you disappoint one person you're actually pleasing another person and usually that person you're pleasing it's going to convert to a client a lot of the time interesting yes amazing well I feel like we've learned so much we've heard so many stories like all the things you can absolutely tell that you have studied and legitimately enjoy content creation strategy I love like 
I can just I just love your enthusiasm for it. I you know what I've stu- you know I've studied it um through YouTube in different areas for about three years now and then also when I first went to college um I originally was gonna go be an accountant and that quickly didn't work out but I love the business side of classes where I was doing like marketing and sales and stuff like mm-hmm. that um and then of course you know you're not gonna get a real job with that in sales because you know your family dictates a lot of stuff so I had to figure out what I was gonna do and then I picked social work and they were more mad at that so, <laughs> and so that and so now I mean I mean now I'm on track in the next I would say not not this month because we're still transferring over but I would say by I would say by August I would say we'd be on track to make consistent eight to 10k months in my business and that's just me being a solo that's me being solo right now and then um eventually by the end of this year if not sooner i'm hoping sooner we'll be hiring um another contractor to to take people on wonderful amazing well justin where can our listeners find you since we've talked so much about your tiktok please plug it where can they find you in other places um if anyone does want to connect with you yeah, so you guys can find me on TikTok and Instagram um, at ADHD therapist underscore J, J A Y. I also have another Instagram uh, for therapists specifically. That's actually the one I actually started Instagram. So that's like my first Instagram. So it's a little bit bigger. But I actually have that Instagram specifically for therapists who are looking to grow their businesses and just, you know, leave their nine to fives, leave their agencies and just really start going out on their own. Um, I also have a podcast called House of ADHD. And you can also Ooh. find more information at me at www.superior-center.com perfect we'll link all of that in the show notes of course (laughs) well justin thank you so much for being with us today sharing your story it was so great to have you yeah it was awesome seeing you both thank you so much for having me thanks justin and that's it the og bad therapists Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week make sure to subscribe and leave us a review we pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. <laughs>